Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J., take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It is Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Of course, at any time that you're listening to this, it's a podcast, and it could be uh, listening to this 5,000 years from now after everybody involved in this podcast has passed. Right, D? All right, very good. Uh, as we do all the time on a Ben Drossi's bonus show, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce himself. So, distinguished guests, introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Sorry about that. I lost you guys. Yeah. All right, we're good. Uh, we're good now. So, Ben, go ahead and start it from the beginning. Uh, from the very beginning, just have him introduce himself. All right, so just so distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Oh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Dan Mihalopoulos. I'm an investigative reporter at WBZ and a longtime reader of Ben's column in the Reader, of course. Thank you very much, Dan. Yes, uh, we had agreed uh, to have Dan come on to do this interview. Uh, I was just going to talk about. Uh, uh, corruption in the state of Illinois in general, Dan, that's sort of your area of expertise. And then today, Tuesday, the 9th, a story broke, which is, let's just make this the topic of our conversation completely, if you will, today. Or Although knowing you and myself, Dan, we probably go on tangents. This has to do with the ongoing saga of former state rep Mike McLean. Uh, who is the subject of an investigation by another WBEZ, uh, well, a tandem of reporters. Uh, and um, so why don't you just, uh, let's start at the top and talk about what uh, Tony Arnold and Dave, Dave McKinney unveiled about Mike McLean before we get into uh, the update that you broke today. Uh, let's start at the top with the revelations from um, uh, earlier this week from WBEZ. Yeah, it's a bombshell email that uh, my colleague Tony Arnold unearthed uh, from seven years ago, and it was written by a guy named Mike McLean. He had a dual role for many decades. He's both a top political advisor to Mike Madigan, the Speaker of the Illinois House, and a lobbyist for Commonwealth Edison and a whole a host of blue-chip clients. He's become uh, much better known in this past year since his home down in Quincy, got raided by the FBI as part of an investigation into ComEd, and I think they're also looking at Madigan, uh, as we have reported. 
Uh, but this week, we, we looked at some of the emails that he was sending to different uh, governors over the past few years, to their chiefs of staff. Uh, it is a very enterprising piece of journalism by, by Tony Arnold to send a Freedom of Information Act request, an open records request for any emails that the chiefs of staff of the governors have gotten from Mike McClain in the past 10 years. And one that they found from July of 2012, from July 31st, 2012, has really created a big impact in the state because it's an email where McLean writes to two top aides, to then-Governor Pat Quinn, and he says to them, hey, there's a guy I know, he's a good employee of the state, there's a disciplinary proceeding against him, please don't fire him, go easy on him, he's a good worker, and oh, by the way, he has kept his mouth shut about ghost workers, about a rape in Champaign, and also about other items. And he closed by saying, quote, he is loyal to the administration. What exactly he's talking about there, nobody really has been able to answer that, but it's really caused a lot of consternation in the legislative and executive branches in Springfield this week. All right, and uh, so let's one more time break it down. Uh, Mike McLean wrote this. Mike McLean, a former state rep, uh, ally uh, and aide uh, and confidant, as they say, to House Speaker Madigan, the second most powerful man in the state of Illinois, or the second most powerful Democrat in the state of Illinois. Uh, Dan, I ranked uh, J.B. Pritzker as number one. Um, And so, all right. And uh, so let's break this down a little bit. First of all, there were two aides. The email was sent to two aides to Governor Pat Quinn. Uh, one of the aides was the chief of staff, correct? Right, right. And, and another aide. And neither of those aides have responded to requests for comment uh, from uh, BEZ, either yourself or McKinney or uh, Tony Arnold. Am I, am I right no, about that? No, no. The two people that got the email have not responded to requests for comments. The state worker uh, who is said in that email to have kept his mouth shut about uh, various things uh, has not replied to many efforts to contact him. Pat Quinn, as you know, is very accessible. He called back and he said, I don't know what, what this is about. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah. So he said it was never uh, raised to his level, although it was two top aides in his office that the email was directed to, including his chief of staff back then in July of 2012. It also is worth mentioning, Ben, that the next day another email was sent by Mike McClain to these guys in Quinn's office saying that the disciplinary hearing uh, for the guy that, that he went to bat for had been postponed, and he didn't know if they were responsible for that, but he said, quote, uh, you know, nothing is, is really a coincidence. I, I should back up. I don't know the exact quote, but nothing happens uh, just uh, casually, I guess you would say. And so he's thanking them uh, for, uh, he thinks, postponing this hearing uh, of this guy that, that he went to bat for, the guy who supposedly uh, participated in keeping his mouth shut about things such as a, quote, rape in champagne. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my mom used to say that all the time, Dan. Uh, There's no such thing as a coincidence. Uh, And so apparently Mike McClain subscribes to the same uh, theory. That is, the presumption is he sent an email to the governor's chief of staff. The disciplinary hearing uh, was postponed. He's working from the assumption, obviously, that the governor's office played a role in the postponement of that disciplinary hearing. Now, uh, I should just... Right, he's going to bat for a guy from his hometown, from Quincy, a guy named Forrest Ashby, who worked for the state for a number of years. And even after he left the state, uh, went to work for J.B. Pritzker's 
campaigned for governor in 2018 and also um, had a contract, a consulting contract with the state, which J.B. Pritzker has uh, now um, canceled. Okay. Uh, quick to respond to this story. This story is having a lot of ramifications for the Democrats, my beloved Democratic Party in the state of Illinois. They're always screwing things up, Dan. All right. Now, uh, let's break this out a little bit. So uh, neither the two uh, aides that received the email have responded to a request for a comment. Have uh, Was uh, WBZ able to obtain a response of any kind from them uh, to uh, McLean's email? No, there's no uh, record that there was a response in email. Uh, like I said, uh, Tony Arnold requested all the email traffic back and forth with Mike McLean uh, for the chiefs of staff of, I believe, uh, Pritzker, uh, Governor Rauner, uh, Pat Quinn, and I think that covers uh, everybody going back to 2010. Uh, and, and this came up there, but no response uh, was recorded in, in emails, in official emails at least, that um, – were provided to us through that Freedom of Information Act request by my colleague. Yeah. And uh, so the part of the email that has generated the most response, the most criticism, and the most concern has to do with, quote, the rape in Champaign. So I'm going to read the exact language. Uh, uh, McLean is arguing that Ashby, quote, has kept his mouth shut on Jones's ghost workers, the rape in Champaign, and other items. Uh, I presume Jones's ghost workers. Uh, have to, has uh, former uh, Senate President Emil Jones. I my, that's my guess that what that's related well, to. Well, yeah, I mean, you you can guess, uh, but we don't know. I mean, yeah. we don't know what he's referring to there. Ghost workers is probably uh, a clear reference to ghost payrollers. You know, that's what we call them, uh, guys that are politically connected who get jobs that they don't show up for, mm-hmm. uh, and they still get paid. Uh, but Jones. Um, you know, there's no further explanation there, you know, a, a, until about 2009, I think it was, Emil Jones from Chicago was the Senate president, one of the, the four tops they used to call him, one of the most powerful people in Springfield. And his wife uh, was a supervisor in the same department uh, as this guy, Forrest Ashby, who's the subject of this disciplinary case and who's the uh, beneficiary of, of Mike McLean's um email to to the top levels of state government trying to go to bat for him when when he got in some sort of trouble there uh now is it is it emil jones and and his wife uh, who are they're referring to we don't know i mean they wouldn't call us back either uh but you know the governor now uh, jb pritzker has tried to uh bring in the executive inspector general who's the internal watchdog of state government to do an investigation, and uh, there's calls now from the Republicans uh, it, for hearings. Uh, Jim Durkin, the top uh, Republican in the House from Western Springs, called for hearings, and Mike Madigan has shot down that suggestion and uh, saying that he doesn't want to get in the way of the executive inspector general. Of course, you know, we have a, a federal investigation, as I mentioned earlier, that is looking at uh, Mike McLean and ComEd, and will those federal investigators now uh, supersede, uh, in a manner of speaking, uh, what the executive inspector general or anyone else uh, in the legislature might be doing to, to find out more about what Mike McLean was talking about uh, here when he said that there was a rape in Champaign and ghost workers, uh, Jones's ghost workers, who uh, Forrest Ashby was uh, keeping his mouth shut about. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, has kept his mouth shut about the rape and champagne. So I uh, just want to make it clear. We have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Uh, we don't know what it means by keeping your mouth shut. Like, did he have information about a rape and not tell anybody? Or uh, We don't know. It's all speculation at this point. No, we don't know if there was a rape, where it happened, when it happened. We just know that he wrote that in a what is a public record, which is an email to, to the chief of staff of the governor at the time back in 2012, uh, and that he made these references that, uh, and of course, I, I guess we should uh, we should say that McLean has been asked what he meant by that and has an answer. All right, now we'll get to that part because that's uh, a new development. Uh, I w- yes, w- when today. I when I booked Dan for this interview, whenever it was a couple days ago, I was just going to talk about corruption in Chicago, get a, uh, and state of Illinois updates, but. Th- Right before we did the interview, he had a, a, a breaking development. He said, read my Twitter feed. Uh, and I read it. I was like, oh, my God. So let's get to the part of the Twitter feed uh, before I take a deeper dive into uh, Mike McClain's relationship to Mike Madigan and the whole issue of taking people who do work for Madigan in the state and putting them on payrolls of companies like ComEd, uh, which is presumably what the feds are investigating. So, all right, let's, uh, by the time people hear this, they may already know what the big scoop you had today, Dan, is, but let's just pretend they don't. So uh, I'm just going to say two words, Chicago cut, take it from there. Okay, so uh, around 1130 this morning, uh, I had scheduled to to do this interview with you, uh, and uh, something came up because I got a text message from someone who shall not be named, I'm sure would insist that he not be named, uh, who said um, to me, uh, Dan, um, I've heard that Mike McClain is at Chicago Cut. So I told this to Dave McKinney, who's another of our state government reporters. It's been working on this story w- with me uh, for months. And we hopped in a cab, and we called our uh, photographer, too. Time out. Chicago, station, Chicago, Chicago Cut. Uh, is a steakhouse on the Chicago River, am I correct? In downtown Chicago. Right, it's on, okay. right, it's on the Chicago River. It's actually on LaSalle Street, uh, and it has a nice deck overlooking the Chicago River and, uh, and a big um, dining room where the politicians uh, of Illinois, I think the dailies have like their St. Patrick's Day uh, lunch in there, and they've had different parties there. It's a place to, to be seen, uh, together with the Erie Cafe, I guess, if you're Joe Barrios and some <laughs> other people. But it's, it's just one of these kind of higher-end places where the, yeah. the, the power players want to hang out. And, uh, you know, in the middle of all this story that we're talking about this week, and in the middle of this investigation that's been roiling Springfield since, uh, you know, we broke the story about it um, last summer, you know, Mike McClain pops up in Chicago, eating lunch uh, in, a, in a place um, that, um, you know, where a lot of people that are in the know will recognize him. And, uh, you know, it, it filtered back to us. We went there. Uh, of course, we didn't bother him while he was eating, but I looked through the, the glass uh, walls of this dining room. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was unmistakable that it was him. So we waited outside until finished eating and then we approached him so you actually you saw when he like put the fork down and then you did you go up to his table or was he walking out of the restaurant no 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 uh i saw that he was eating in there as i had been told and i waited until he was done eating and uh, came out the door of the restaurant and then i went up to him with my recorder you know with my uh, wbz recorder and uh dave mckinney the other reporter was um, recording a, a video on his camera, 
And um, we started asking him questions. And Manuel Martinez, we do have a photographer, even though we're a radio station, because we have a website, too. Uh And uh, Manuel Martinez uh, snapped some photos of him. And um, and then I tweeted that photo out. And I said, you know, we heard Mike McClain was in town having lunch at Chicago Cut. We found him there. And um, we talked to him. So tune in later to WBZ for our exclusive chat with with Mike McClain. So what did Mike have to say? First of all, I'm sure he was delighted to see you. Did he compliment you on your work? Well, you know, I went up to him and I said, uh, hi, I'm Dan Mihalopoulos from WBZ. And I think his response was something to the effect of, uh, oh, I hear a lot about you. Okay. He could, Danny, I loved your stuff in the Sun-Times. No, he didn't. Your charter school stories were unbelievable. He didn't say that? None of that. Oh, but man. he did say that, you know, he knew who we were. Obviously, we've done a lot of stories about him over the past few months. I think I mentioned I went down to Quincy to try to find him because that's where uh, one of the places where he has is a house and where he's from and uh, had put uh, some other emails of his that we obtained. I think it was in November we obtained an email where he was referring to a magic lobbyist list. I don't know if you remember that one, mm. but he, he has a group of uh, magic uh, lobbyists who um, he was uh, divvying up the, the blue chip lobbying clients in Springfield among them. And he, he said that he was going to consult uh, with Mike Madigan. Well, he called him a friend with a capital F. But our sources tell us that's a clear reference to Mike Madigan and that he, he often refers to Mike Madigan as a friend or himself mm-hmm. with a capital H. And uh, like I said, you know, he has a lot of close ties to Madigan. They've known each other for 50 years. And, um, yeah, I told Mike McClain today when I saw him, you know, hey, I went to your house. I put this other email in your mailbox. I uh, tried to, you know, put my business card in his mailbox and call his cell phone and whatnot. Um, but... Uh, you know, he doesn't want to tell his side of the story, and he didn't want to talk about this, quote, rape in champagne email either. What did he say to you about that? Well, what he told me was, um, and he didn't want to talk about it, uh, he didn't want to take the opportunity to explain himself further about anything mm-hmm. in that email because he has to ask his lawyer, and I asked who's his lawyer, and he says, I, I, my lawyers asked me not to tell you, not to identify myself, <laughs> yeah. uh, or not to identify him to you. And um, then, you know, we got him talking a, a little bit about some other things, though. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I'm sure he was really surprised and not pleased to see uh, you and McKinney. And I wish I were there just to watch uh, his look. This reminds me, this is a movie that came out uh, long before, uh, Dan, you were around, The French Connection. And in The French Connection, Gene Hackman plays a uh, New York City uh, police, uh, he's an undercover cop, I think, and he's tracking down the the dealers behind a huge uh, influx of heroin into New York and the dealers are this real upscale French guy who eats at beautiful restaurants while Gene Hackman watching him from the sidewalk in New York it's freezing cold and he's huddling with his hands in his pocket trying to stay warm while the dealer is dining and that just had this vision of you and McKinney on the sidewalk with your hands in your pocket trying to stay warm while well, Mike McLean is uh yeah, I mean, you've compared me to John Cassavetes before, I think, but I don't know about <laughs> Gene, Gene Hackman. Hackman. It's good flick. I have a little bit more hair than, than, than him still. Uh, anyway, good flick anybody. French Connection from 1970. Billy Freakin directed it, a Chicago guy. All right, uh, let's get to take a little, let's pull back a little bit. 
uh, the larger investigation uh, into Mike McLean and Commonwealth Edison and presumably Michael Madigan. I'm going to trot something out with you, an old um, story that I was told years ago when I first moved to Chicago. Uh, people used to kid me. I was so naive. I was talking about lawyers who do business for Michael Madigan. Uh, in many cases, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, they wouldn't charge because presumably they were going to make it up uh, on the back end uh, with uh, being with lobbying deals and state contracts, etc. Uh, this was just something that politicals would tell me. This is how the system works. And it wasn't just Madigan. It's just like across the board that this is this connection between uh, the corporate Chicago and the Democratic machine. Um, my sense is that with the investigation into ComEd, this is kind of what they're getting at. Do you agree with me, Dan? Well, uh, what we do know about the investigation, and it's not a heck of a lot, actually, um, and really is no one's been charged yet. We know that subpoenas were sent to Commonwealth Edison, which has obviously the electric monopoly over northern Illinois, 4 million customers. And I think each household or each business is a customer. So, you know, you and your wife or me and my, my wife and my daughter, we're, we're one customer. So there's like, you know, millions and millions of people that uh, get, get stuff from ComEd, uh, get electricity power from ComEd. And, um, you know, they rely on the state to regulate their rates. So we do know that they've um, rated a bunch of people close to Madigan and ComEd, including Mike McLean, in some of these uh, subpoenas and, and other documents, they're asking for, for records relating to Mike Madigan. Uh, they raided the former alderman, Mike Zaleski, from down in the southwest side, like Madigan. Um, they raided uh, the City Club of Chicago, uh, who had a lobbyist from ComEd as its president, in Jay Doherty. Uh, what are they going after? We reported in October that they're looking at allegations that ComEd hired a bunch of politically connected people as consultants, not as lobbyists or registered lobbyists, uh, but as consultants who um, were getting paid to do little or nothing, ghost payrollers, uh, essentially. And now Madigan has said he's not a target, doesn't believe he's a target, uh, but, um, you know, they're, they're buzzing around his, his sphere of influence uh, and they're looking especially at ComEd, which was his best buddy, Mike McLean's lobbying client. So what's your sense? Do you, uh, have you heard the same things that I heard, that this is a form of patronage, that when uh, aides to powerful Democrats like leave public office, they pick up uh, employment for uh, private companies? Yeah, again, nobody has been charged, and we don't know what— if anything, they're going to they're going to bring in federal court. Uh, but we do know that there are people, uh, for instance, uh, there's a guy named Ray Nice that I wrote about a while back. Uh, we did a story on a guy, uh, Ray Nice, who's been a longtime Madigan precinct captain from his 13th Ward power base on the southwest side. And, you know, he was lobbying for Comet together with Jay Doherty, uh, the guy from the city club. So, there, you know, again, we don't know which of these circumstances might end up, and I'm not going to guess, but um, what the feds are going to do or not do at this point. But I, I do know where they're buzzing around. And, um, yeah, we do know that a number of people who um, used to work uh, for Mike Madigan or were allies of Mike Madigan 
uh, have gone on to be lobbyists for ComEd and for a lot of other people. We do know that they've um, been uh, been raided by the feds and that they're looking at uh, how they ended up uh, working for ComEd and, and, you know, what Mike Madigan's role in all that may or may not have been. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Ben, um, you know, we don't know what the feds are going to decide to do or not do, but these have been very public raids. You know, ComEd had to, after we did a story in the summer with the Better Government Association, had to disclose that they've gotten a subpoena, then they got another subpoena. There's a senator, um, former state senator now, Marty Sandoval, his office in the Capitol was raided. They were asking for stuff about ComEd and things that um, uh, might have benefited them in Springfield, such as rate increases. So this is a story that potentially could influence pretty much everybody in the Chicago area, the northern part of the state. Yeah, and uh, actually, in the in the in the end, it all may be dwarfed uh, by the email that McKinney and Arnold un- uncovered, uh, which talks about uh, keeping his mouth shut uh, in regards to quote the rape in Champagne. I again, Dan, you and I both said this. We'll repeat. We have no idea what this means, uh, but the notion that he would communicate something like that so blithely in an email. Uh, to high-ranking people on the Quinn administration. You know, just like so matter-of-factly, like everybody knew about the rape. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? And and it didn't automatically get a response. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Rape? Covering up? Th- that just is so disconcerting. I-, I have a feeling... Well, he did write it as if the recipients knew what he was referring to. Now, I'm not saying that, that they did. Yes. Uh, and again, they won't talk, but... Uh, he did write it in a way that I think it's fair to say um, assumed that this was shorthand for something that they all knew uh, what it was about. At least that was his tenor. Uh, I think that's fair to read it that way. Um, I also think that it's fair to read these uh, emails as showing that he had a great deal of influence near the highest levels of state government. And I think we all know that a lot of that was derived not just from his own experience in the legislature. You know, he was a legislator, McLean. Yeah. In the 70s and early 80s, he lost, despite having Mike Madigan's backing, and maybe because of Mike Madigan's backing. <laughs> yeah. Mike Madigan is not popular down in that part of the state. It's a very Republican part of the state, too. Mike McLean was a Democratic lawmaker. He left, but it wasn't the end for him. It was just the beginning of his lobbying for ComEd and others. And, you know, I think it's it's a very odd dual role to be advisor to the most powerful man in Springfield and lobbyist mm-hmm. for some of the biggest interests whose um, fortunes uh, also affect the rest of us uh, here in Illinois. Uh, Dan, I know you've been following politics uh, in Chicago and the state of Illinois for a while. Uh, What's your sense of Mike Madigan's power right now, the condition of Mike Madigan's power? It's unthinkable to me. I could just, I'm putting together various insurrections against Madigan on the local level, uh, lawsuits, uh, challenges, people confronting him in the newspapers. Uh, we've talked about this on the show, not with you, but uh, uh, when it came to slating a candidate to, to replace Louis Arroyo, the, uh, the Democrats from that area, some of the committeemen openly defied Michael Madigan in a way I couldn't imagine happening five years ago. What was, what's your sort of your sense of the state of Mike Madigan's power uh, and control of the Democratic Party in the, in the state house these days? Yeah, I mean, there are some situations where people like Chuy Garcia have been on opposite sides of Madigan in different races, uh, in primary races. Uh, there are 
some situations um, with others uh, who have clashed with him, as you pointed out. Uh, but I think that um, look at this situation with the McLean email. I can count, I think, on one hand, and this is progressive talk radio, right? Yeah. I would say the same thing if this was, was right-wing radio. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, I think I can count on one hand if uh, the number of progressives who have come out to criticize um, the situation with, uh, with this McLean email, as well as um, Mike Madigan specifically. I think J.B. Pritzker said that this email is disgusting, but... Uh, and he's ordered an investigation, but I don't believe he's put it at all at the feet of Madigan. Um, but, but you know, I think he's tried to distance himself, Pritzker, from McLean and maybe even from Madigan to some extent. But remember, this guy that McLean went to bat for in that email ended up working for J.B. Pritzker on the recommendation of Mike McLean. So how distant from J.B. Pritzker is Mike McLean if Mike McLean is suggesting paid campaign workers uh, downstate during his two, 2018 run for governor. Um, so I think that the, to answer your question, really, Mike Madigan is still in, in, in a pretty strong position when there are very, very few Democrats who are, are criticizing him on this matter. I mean, who's spoken up, uh, Ben, about this McLean email? Kelly Cassidy was very outspoken. Maybe Ann Williams, Will Gazzardi, I think might be the only male uh, legislator who is um, – uh, voiced deep concern uh, publicly and gone out of their way. But, uh, you know, you look at some of those t- uh, tweets from Kelly Cassidy, I-, I think they were very strong and critical of-, of Madigan, too, which, again, maybe you wouldn't see that a while ago, but uh, there's not a heck of a lot of it beyond that now either, is there? Yeah, no, and uh, just for the record, Kelly Cassidy, State Representative Kelly Cassidy from the north side of Chicago, a North Lakefront district, uh, had a joint uh, text, a joint statement with Sherry Garrett and Elena Hampton, uh, who are two whistleblowers. Elena was just on our show a couple weeks ago. Elena, of course, was the one who sued uh, Mike Madigan's political operation because she was sexually harassed by a, a Madigan aide, and she, uh, uh, there was a settlement made uh, in that case. So, yeah, Kelly Cassidy joining forces with people who have already put their neck out. Uh, your point's well taken, Dan. Uh, I'm looking at the Sun-Times story that just happens to be right in front of me in terms of state reps or state senators who've openly uh, declared their outrage with this uh, this email. And uh, there's a state senator, Linda Holmes, a Democrat from Aurora, uh, who co-chairs the Senate Women's Caucus, and state senator Sue Rezin from uh, more... Uh, oh, she's a Republican. Uh, and uh, uh, listen, this is just me talking this is yeah not- I, I, I stay i stay with my point i think it's they're still on one hand five fingers you yes know? uh five, five lawmakers on the on that side of the aisle on madigan's side of the aisle who might be speaking out against him and as you know he's got a super majority there um but in terms of your question of whether this really weakens mike madigan it might not have anything to do with the amount of of spine or lack of spine among his caucus and among his, the fellow members of the democratic party of illinois it may have much more to do with how far this federal investigation goes. And in that sense, whether Mike McLean is cooperating with the feds or not is something that's very important. When we approached them today, as we discussed before, outside Chicago Cut, we asked Mike McLean, uh, are you cooperating uh, with this investigation? And he said, well, they've asked me to cooperate. And I said, are you cooperating? And he said, Let's just leave it at they asked me 
uh, pressed a little bit further. I think McKinney asked him, uh, you know, what would it be like to, to betray uh, Mike Madigan, which, of course, it would be seen, I guess, in the circles of the Democratic Party and certainly by Mike Madigan as a betrayal if someone like Mike McLean were cooperating with the feds in this investigation. And when, when we asked him that, Mike McLean said uh, that it would, it would feel that he's betraying himself uh, to cooperate with the Fed. So a clear indication that he's not cooperating, and that must make uh, Mike Madigan feel better. You know, a, a senior Democratic source in the state here told uh, McKinney today that um, he believes uh, that McLean and Madigan have not spoken since May 1st. And if that's indeed the case, I think that may be the longest period that they've gone without speaking uh, for many decades. And it may not matter. You know, the Tribune reported a while back that the, the feds were recording McLean's phone conversation. So you know, clearly they want his cooperation. Uh, they wouldn't comment the U.S. Attorney's Office, which is leading the investigation. But McLean is indicating, at least publicly, in his first comments that he's made uh, today to us, that he's not going to cooperate. And if that's the case, maybe that does improve the odds that Mike Madigan survives this this hurricane of a scandal i uh well we'll see this uh, like i said uh dave mckinney and tony arnold now yourself dan have really upped the ante on this but with this uh reporting about the email from 2012 talking about uh, keeping his mouth shut on a rape in champagne that is uh an allegation uh, that cannot just be ignored i think at this point uh in illinois politics uh, Dan, great job as always. Thanks for coming on. The last time Dan was on, I urge everybody to check that out after you've heard this one. We had a, a, a blast uh, talking about the City Club uh, scandal, and I took out my, my certificate that I received from the City Club, and Dan autographed it for me. Uh, I don't and, remember that. Uh, and so it, it has Jay Doherty, who's the subject of the invest of the uh, the raid or the uh, and Damiolopoulos's signature on it. It's a very valuable document. I, I think I should put it away in a safe. Uh, put Dan, it on eBay. Put it on eBay. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, Good. That, that and two seventy five. <laughs> it won't get me a ticket to a Bucks Bulls game. That's for sure. Um, no, it will not. It's a hot ticket these days. Yeah. Take care, Dan. Good talking to you as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's, Sorry about the delay. That's yeah. another Ben Jarofsky bonus show. Take care, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.